Welcome to the first episode of Among the Stars and Bones. A note before we begin. The show features characters in a hostile environment and is intended for a mature audience. As such, it contains material that may be upsetting or triggering for some people. Although there are no specific content warnings for this episode, they will usually be found in the show notes. Please make use of them if you need to. Initiative, Herodotus Task Force Status Report, Mission Planet Tethan, Status Report 1, 5, Entries Included, Entry 1, Comptroller's Report. Commence Report, Comptroller Adrienne Barnes Reporting, Herodotus Mission, Day 3, January 9th, 2211. We made planetfall on Tefan approximately 11.12 Earth Standard Time, January 7th. Four days overdue, but the captain chose to divert around military operations being conducted on separatist holdings in Sector 9. The archaeological pods, storage hangars, containers and ancillary equipment were all deployed without incident. We used deployment site Delta, due to concerns that high wind off the nearby cliffs would hamper descent at the other LZs. It puts us an extra quarter mile from the Alpha Site entrance, but the terrain is easier on my knees, so as far as I'm concerned, it balances out. All 96 mission crew are in good health. We spent the rest of day one establishing our base of operations, powering up pods, mobilising equipment and sending the mech bots in to check on atmospheric prep at the site. The seals have held, and the climate control tech the survey team set up is working perfectly. The interior air is breathable, which is a blessing because the soup out there would burn your throat before you could suffocate. The Stellarcast generator was a top priority. And if you're hearing this, then the first infocast is through and everything is golden. Of course, if the techs miss something, you won't be hearing this and will probably assume we're all dead. I found waiting for the first return cast is always one of the most anxious parts of any expedition. It will be good to hear your voice two days from now, Jennifer. On mission day two, the teams entered the alien ruins. Lieutenant Riggs is heading up the Alpha site detail with the military science team. So far, her assessment bears out the conclusion of the initial survey mission. If she's right, and this is some kind of ancient terraforming technology, we could be on to the find of a lifetime. Currently, they're working their way through what they believe to be the command centre before branching out. 
The site is vast, so they're being as systematic as possible. But I'll let her fill you in. The Alpha site is nothing compared to the Beta site, though. We have uncovered a complete subterranean alien colony city. I know the geophysical survey from the advanced team had it pegged as living quarters, but either they have a godlike talent for understatement or they did their job poorly. It is huge. It connects to the Alpha site via a 900-yard tunnel and then opens up and drops away. We're not even 100% sure how far yet, but two miles minimum. Ben will give you details, but this was more than just a support facility for those working on the terraformer. This must have been a fully functioning colony. The Beta site, this city, that's where the bulk of the academic teams are working, building up a map of the interior. Even with the drones working around the clock, this is going to take some time. The layout appears to be basically circular, each level a ring around a wide central shaft that goes down into the depths of the facility. I've only allowed people access to the topmost three levels so far, while we get drones down there to place network relays and lighting, and to scan to determine structural integrity. If this city was carved into the rock, then there may have been tremors and quakes. Besides, if the site was abandoned, which it seems to be, then there must have been a reason. Safety first. I have it on good authority that Gordon Price has been lower, however, maybe much lower, chasing some readings. I'll have to speak to him about that. I know he was hired for his tendency to follow his instincts, but he's setting a bad example. As you know, I was against his inclusion, but I will grudgingly admit that if there's anyone who can make sense of all this leftover technology, it's him. And there is a lot to go through. Early indications are that accepting the ravages of age, this place was left in working order. Which leads to the obvious question. Did the aliens abandon this place because it no longer suited their purposes? Did they find hazards they could not overcome even with their advanced technology? I'm hoping Ben and his team can shed light on this. If this was a functioning colony city, there must be some records he and the other linguists can translate. <laughs> Look at me. Even I'm caught up in the excitement of this place. Yes? Controller Barnes, we're having some trouble locating the waste management kits. The Manifest had them in Hangar 8, but there's nothing here. Nothing? You mean empty space? Or something that shouldn't be there? Empty space? That's just... I'll be right there. Ah, the glamorous life I lead. I used to dream of being head of xenoarchaeology on something like this, before I realised that my talents, such as they are, lay elsewhere. Suffice it to say, between the technology of the Alpha Site and the trove of wonders the Beta Site might hold, this could be our best chance to learn about the Proximans and learn from them. I'm sure you're eager to hear from the department heads, so I'll leave it there. 
Hope to hear from you soon, Jennifer. End report. Entry 2. Xenoarchaeology report. I can't believe you're missing this, Jen. It's incredible. Huge. So many surprises being thrown up already, and we've only been here a day. When we got to the end of the tunnel from Alpha and this place opened up, I got that tingling up my spine that you always said was more about fear than findings. <laughs> what I tell you? I mean, we found the edge of the central hub, and when we shone our lights down and couldn't see the bottom, <laughs> I knew. I knew this was going to be something else. And we're only just getting the sense of the place. It's almost like a hive. And yeah, I can hear you shouting, and the proxmans aren't insects, but the circular shape just kind of puts me in mind of that. You know how I hate Hollisters. Proxmans are adapted for climbing and they have vertical architecture, therefore they must have lived in rock faces. Hypothesis. I mean, sure, they don't seem to be as big a fan of the horizontal planes and wide open spaces that humans prefer, but it was a hell of a leap to make from the few sites we've seen. But, I gotta say, sitting here now, looking down into the abyss below me, I can't help thinking maybe he has something. Much as I hate to admit it. This place is definitely taller than it is wide. There are rings around the central shaft, but it drops away for miles. And in deference to Hollister, the shaft is a lot like a rock cavern. Not that I like giving deference to Hollister. The height of the levels tells a different story though. Each level has at least a 20 foot ceiling. For a species that only stood around 5 feet tall, that's a lot of headspace, you know? It's like being in a land of giants. If I was establishing a colony on a planet that still needed terraforming, I think I would use space a bit more efficiently. But hey, if you're going to spend years underground waiting for the place to be ready, maybe it's nice not to feel so cramped. Who knows? There might be a paper in that discussion alone. I'm sitting on the edge of the shaft as I talk to you. It's about 150 metres across. I can see the lights that the bots are setting up on the other side, twinkling, like a whole bunch of glowworms. No, better. A cavernous vertical sea of stars, and I'm just floating on it. I mean, seriously, check this out. Side note, my winning streak in the shipboard karaoke competition continues unbroken. Though that new biologist Kathy has got some pipes on her. Anyway, as you can hear, we've got so much space to cover that I'm not sure we have enough lighting units to light the whole place up. Even setting them 100 yards apart around the edge of the shaft on each level, it'll still be a struggle. And the levels become more of a warren lower down. Mind you, I'm pretty sure at least a part of the ceiling is translucent in some way. 
I haven't been able to test it yet though, with light on Tevin's surface being so bad due to that thick atmosphere and cloud, so I'll get back to you on that. Anyway, we've got bots down to level 12, lighting the way and enhancing the 3D model with photogrammetry. The latest uploaded version will be in the data pod in the usual directory when you get this. Doesn't do the place justice, of course. You don't see it so well with the lighting spaced out, but there's a surprisingly large amount of colour on the walls. I guess the Proximans like their decor on the garish side? I can't recall anything like it aboard the wrecked ships we've found over the last couple of decades, so... Either they like to keep things utilitarian on vessels, or it's a change in design aesthetic from their later history. We've been confined to just the first three levels so far. I think lower down is where we'll find more extensive sections of administration and maintenance, and other facets of day-to-day -day life in the city. But these upper levels seem to be primarily living quarters. No obvious rec centres or shopping facilities. <laughs> Assuming they have things like that. Hell, we know plenty about how Proximans travelled, but almost nothing about how they lived. Apart from what we got from that small abandoned mining colony in the Epsilon Aridini system. These living quarters are different to the ones found there. These comprise eight rooms radiating off shared facilities that are probably a kitchen and gathering place. No idea of the exact social structure involved here, but the regular nature of the facilities suggests to me that these are either low-level worker residences for crew of the Alphasite machine, or the aliens had a greater sense of equality than we first thought. I'm just spitballing here. Here's a hypothesis for you though, and one that Barnes isn't gonna like since it'll mean she can't keep us on so short a leash. We've just analysed some readings and samples that don't support the idea that this place was carved from the surrounding rock. The floors are artificial. The alien equivalent of concrete, although far more complex and uh, high-tech than that. And more able to take wear and tear. And I don't think it's a coating added after the fact. I don't even think they built this place here. I think it's a prefab job they dropped here, not a constructed city. They carried an entire colony city in space, then buried it in the surface of the planet like a giant self-tapping screw digging its way into the ground. Call me crazy, and hey, many will, but if I'm right then Barnes can't use any excuse about the risk of collapse or cave-in to keep us from exploring because this material is just too advanced and too damn strong. It's no surprise really, given this place dates to at least 600 years after first discovery. <laughs> yeah, I know. I buried the lead on that, didn't I? So it's 600 years more advanced than anything we've dealt with. Oh, that, my dear Jennifer, means all kinds of possibilities. I mean, we've always known they have a complex society, but finally being able to see that society in action, in a true colony environment, and to see how they evolved socially over time, uh, that ought to be something to behold. And we have over two miles of playground to explore. <laughs> Can't wait. As soon as we get the go-ahead, I'm heading straight down. Only a few sleeps to Christmas! Wish you were here. Entry 3. Military Scientific Research Report. Commence report. Lieutenant Laura Riggs, Military Science Division reporting. Day 3 of Herodotus mission, January 9th, 2211. As instructed, we have set up in the Alpha site and begun evaluating the technological and military significance of this find. We soon identified the facility's command module, 
and I have deployed the key members of the team there, with secondary members around the installation's periphery to document, scan, and report. There's a lot of ground to cover, but so far we have discovered that the facility is divided into four separate nodes, each with a different function in what appears to be an integrated system. Initial data suggests that what we have designated Node 1 is involved in atmospheric alteration and is complex enough that I'm not talking mere weather control. This baby is built to restructure the atmosphere of the entire planet. Hard to say if Tefan's current atmospheric state is the result of their efforts or not. It seems unlikely, since the atmosphere is shockingly toxic to humans and all life as we understand it, including the aliens. So, our climatologist's current working theory is that either this atmosphere is a kind of in-between stage of the process, or perhaps a reversion of the atmosphere once the device ceased to function. Node 2, which is almost a separate site in itself, seems to have been the central hub for what I'll call drones that seed the ground with nutrients and biomatter to invigorate the soil. There is no indication from planetary scans that such deposits exist. It is possible they have been dispersed by the wind, or even destroyed by the acidity of the atmosphere. It is also possible this node was intended to be used in a later stage in the process. This will need to be confirmed. We have yet to ascertain the functions of nodes 3 and 4, but the hypothesis that this facility was built to terraform the whole planet appears borne out. We have located something akin to system logs, and from what we can ascertain... The device was in use for approximately seven years. This suggests a lot of time and effort was invested in this process before they stopped. I suppose the civilian teams will be attempting to answer why they stopped, but I am more concerned with the benefits of this technology, not a history lesson. Which brings me to something I want to discuss. I must advise that the work is going more slowly than it could. Most of the expertise on translation and alien tech is with the civilian teams. This is greatly hampering my efforts. With their help, I could probably get through initial assessments in about half the time, and then spend the rest of the expedition actually studying, and perhaps even testing, the alien technology. But the civilians have gone all kid in a candy store over the beta site. It is a remarkable place. And no doubt we can learn a lot from it, but they don't seem to appreciate the practicalities of the Separatist problem. We are at war, and our way of life is under threat. Any advantage we can gain by discovering and adapting alien technology for our counterinsurgency effort is of paramount importance. As such, Ms. Connolly, I would like to make a formal request for the heads of technology and archaeology to be placed at my disposal for a period of time, so I can use their skills to expedite the process of understanding the system and how it was controlled. Comptroller Barnes seemed reluctant to pull rank. And while I can appreciate she has enough to worry about with logistics and mission safety, this opportunity is too great to ignore. Which is why I'm going over her head. As I have a job to do and a limited time to do it in, I will commandeer any tool or resource to ensure its success. And that includes people. Finally, one more item of note. There is currently no evidence this facility is entirely inactive or dormant. We have not been able to thoroughly evaluate how it gets its power, but, despite the dust, the machine shows no sign of deterioration. It is entirely possible that, should active tests of the equipment be desired, 
We may be able to run them, once we know how this technology functions. Observing the process in action would be highly instructive, and might be the key to finally cracking the terraforming trick for humanity. With it, we could maintain a stronger strategic presence in our corner of the galaxy, and quickly access and exploit exoplanetary resources, instead of relying on small, inefficient, resource-consuming mining colonies. This could be the key to humanity's future. Please, bear this in mind when evaluating my request. Lieutenant Riggs out. Entry 4. Xenobiology and Xenoanthropology. Report. So, I guess I start with, um... Commence report. Kathy Winters speaking. And then my title? So that's assistant to Dr. Celia Pinella, head of biological science Herodotus mission. Wait, I'm not an assistant. I'm second in charge Just of- Just get on with it, Kathy. Shouldn't I start again? We I have work to do. Right. Um, hi, Miss Connolly. Look, I'll get the protocol right next time. I'm sorry. I'm kind of nervous. I didn't know I'd have to do these reports. I mean, I always thought the department head status reports were the job of the, you know, head of department. But Celia says they are far too busy to worry about these things, so I should just take care of it. And since this is my first field assignment... I guess I should just, um, play along. If you want to stay employed, you will. Um, Celia? If, if this is a waste of your time, shouldn't you- I didn't say it was a waste of time. I said it was beneath me to send status reports. If Jennifer Connolly and the rest of the bigwigs want to check up on my progress, they can review my field notes and daily logs, having to add a status report, so self-important executives can have the expertise of three doctorates boiled down to a one-page memo, is both insulting and incredibly lazy. So I do not do them. My assistants... Second in charge? Assistants do them. Well... Either way, isn't both of us being here, you know, right now a, a waste of... I mean, an inefficient use of your expertise? Very well. Don't forget to update on our medical status. Join me in the scan bay when you're done. So, uh, this is... The, uh, report from the Biological Department. I'm Dr. Kathy Winters, speaking on behalf of Dr. Celia Pinella. And here is my report. Proximin remains have been found on site. We are currently studying them in situ. It will be at least a day, maybe two, before we remove them to conduct a lab examination. But here's what we've observed so far. The skeleton was found on the second level of the city. Sorry, the beta site. Out on the central concourse near the edge of the internal shaft. 
and it was complete with no obvious signs of disturbance, which probably means they died where they were found. Using the biological parameters of this first body, Dr. Panella had the tech team reprogram the drones and scan for other likely remains. And so far, they've marked the locations of at least 200 more potential bodies. Some of them are sealed into what the archaeologists are suggesting are living chambers. So they might be better preserved. If so, they'll give us more biological data to work with than this first one. Um... We've discussed the idea. Well, when I say discussed, I mean that Dr. Pinella has talked and the rest of us have nodded. That so many dead individuals is likely linked to why the site was abandoned. It makes sense. We've only found remains on levels 2 through 6 so far, and with the only known exits being at the top of the city, this could indicate an evacuation gone wrong. It could also be some sort of disease, but that makes less sense if the rooms where the bodies are located are in fact living quarters and not hospices or infirmaries. I also suggested they were fleeing something they uncovered deep in the depths of the place where they dug down too deep, like the Balrog in Lord of the Rings. But I mostly got weird looks from everyone, and a reminder from Dr. Pinella that wild speculation has no place in the scientific process. I don't think anyone reads classic literature anymore. Or appreciates my jokes. And I guess I should add, my speculation about indigenous space balrogs notwithstanding, there's no indication of anything alive here. From a xenoanthropological point of view, looking at this site as a whole, given the size, it was intended to support between 50 and 80,000 proximates. Granted, I'm basing that on human models, but the size of the place alone supports the idea of this being a working city. This wasn't just a base to support the terraforming of a planet for a potential colony. This was the colony. When I showed my modeling to Goran Ivanovich, he suggested the 200 people we've found were the only ones stationed here. That the Proximans just sent out a skeleton crew to oversee terraforming and would slowly expand towards a full colony through natural birth rate. We don't have a lot of data on their breeding patterns and reproduction rates, but 200 seems a small pool, genetically speaking, from which to grow an entire population. 500 is the generally accepted minimum viable population amongst Earth species, and the need to select carefully to have the required expertise and training to fulfill the tasks a place like this would require, while also being genetically diverse from your peers. You'd need more to be safe. Well, that's my opinion, anyway. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to have opinions on these things, but, well, there it is. Anyway, that's, oh, oh, right, I almost forgot, um, medical status update. Dr. Pinella wanted me to pass on that all testing thus far indicates no sign of biological contamination or any inert viruses or other possible dangers to personnel.
Monitoring will continue, and the crew are all up to date on their immunoboosters. They said Dr. Chang from Medical would have more specific data in his results, but since it's technically under the biological team's purview, they wanted it formally covered in the report. So, there it is. Formally covered in the report. I guess that's about it. I'm sure there will be a lot more to talk about once we get the bones to the lab. I'm sorry I was a bit all over the place when I started this thing. It's a little easier without Dr. Pinella looking over my shoulder. And I'll do better next time. Uh, so, I guess that wraps it up. Um, end report? Entry 5. Technology report. Commence report. Gordon Price, head of research into alien technology reporting. And since I'm sure it'll come up, I'd like to get this out of the way up front. I never was good at obeying orders. So before I have to defend this to you when Barnes or, God forbid, Lieutenant Laura stick in the mud get wind of it, let me say this. I've broken the embargo on going beyond the top levels. I have, in fact, been all the way to the bottom of the shaft and beyond. And while I will not apologize, I will, since you are, at least on paper, my superior, give you my reasons. Early on in the scanning phase, I recognized the kind of heat signature given off by latent alien technology that is still active. Which is, after all, what I'm here to find. So I did some calculations. At the rate we were scanning, it would be a minimum of two weeks before Barnes gave the all-clear for free movement through the site. With only four months here, a 12% loss of time is unacceptable. I couldn't justify it, not with the chance something down there was still on. And I'm not talking about something as prosaic as a lighting system, and you know it. If you weigh up your shock at my disobedience against your desire to know what I found down there, you'll know I'm right. It was quite the journey, I can assure you. I rode down on one of the bots set to emergency transport mode. In the dark, too, because I couldn't afford its lights being seen from above. Down into the depths, trusting the bot's scanners would keep us from plowing into the ground. I trust my skills, of course, but that doesn't always mean I trust the technology I'm working with. At the bottom of the main shaft, I found two narrower shafts, elevator size, that go down another 20 meters. I only had some personal scanning equipment with me at the time, but I suspect this is where the upper city and its industrial underbelly meet. And further down again, we'll find geothermal power plants and waste reclamation systems and all the things that keep a city ticking. Which fits with the fact that at the bottom of the two secondary shafts, I found a chamber. Walls glowing blue. Several display units still putting out data in Proximan. Something is ticking over down there. It's not dead. I'm not sure yet what I was looking at, since our most recent understanding of alien computing comes from 600 years farther back in their history. So while we're not talking an abacus to a personal computer level of jump, it's still going to take some time to determine what we have here. But at first glance, I believe this might be the central control room and primary monitoring station for the whole city. Now, if that find isn't enough to excuse my little infraction, then let me add two other points of note. One, a dead alien, lying in the center of the floor, only one present. I would say this place is intended to have 20 people working at any one time, assuming I'm correctly interpreting some of the machines as monitoring workstations. Many workstations, yet only one dead body. Certainly a mystery for our archaeological team to sink their teeth into. 
The second discovery is a box sitting on the floor in the middle of the room. Now, I say box, but it is certainly some sort of tech. Perhaps a mainframe. It's sitting there on the floor with leads and connection points, yet separate from the rest of the system. There are recesses in a nearby console that seem the logical points of attachment, but it's unplugged. I will say I was tempted to just connect it up and see what happened, but I'm not that crazy, whatever my psyche valve might say. It's clearly a computer of some kind, but the shape and size of it is like nothing I've seen. A cube maybe 30 inches on all sides, portable. Probably weighs 40 kilos, so it's a struggle, but I can lift it. Not featureless, covered in all kinds of markings. Doesn't appear to be writing, but it's definitely something to do with its purpose. And it's warm, like it's still drawing power from somewhere, or has its own internal source, despite being unplugged from the system. I knew this place was going to give me all kinds of mysteries to solve, but here I am on the third day of the mission, and I think I've found the biggest one, and the oldest and most pure mystery man has ever known. What's in the box? I'm sure Ben would make some sort of reference to Pandora here, but that seems a little on the nose. I left it where I found it, of course, since my violation of protocol only goes so far. I didn't have much in the way of equipment with me, but what readings I could get were consistent with their standard computer technology, yet more... dense? Like there's multi-layering, bits turning back upon themselves. Whatever it is, it's powerful, and a huge leap forward for us if we can master its secrets. I would like to make this the main focus of my personal investigations here, with permission, of course. If there is any blowback from my breaking of the embargo, I'm sure you can smooth it over. I know the main corporate and military interest here is in the Alpha Site facility, but I think this is the key. The key to understanding why this site was abandoned. The key to understanding how so much of this alien tech works. Hell, maybe the key to mankind's future is in here. What's in the box? I will find out. End. Status. Report. One. This episode of Among the Stars and Bones featured the voices of Julia Eve as Adrienne Barnes, Lucille Valentine as Janine Hattersley, Chris Magilton as Ben Kelleher. Lindsay Dorcas as Lieutenant Laura Riggs. Jordan Cobb as Kathy Winters. Shakira Searle as Dr. Celia Pinella. Graham Rowett as Gordon Price. Devin Madsen as The Computer. The work of the Eudoxus Initiative is made possible by generous research grants from our patrons. If you too would like to support humanity's understanding of alien technology, culture, and history, go to patreon.com slash among the stars and bones. For a transcript of this report or additional information, go to among the stars and bones dot com. If you enjoyed this report, please consider supporting us by rating, reviewing, and recommending us. 
Thank you for listening.